Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. We are uh, resuming our series on the Ten Commandments, and we're looking at the Seventh Commandment, which is, you shall not commit adultery. And uh, I sent out an email, and, and we give an announcement today, but in case that you missed it, uh, I just wanted to give the disclaimer that I will be mentioning some topics that will probably need parental guidance Um don't worry, I'm not going to go into any detail or anything like that. In fact, I preached this message uh, this morning at another church where Marcus was there and other kids were there, and they all survived. So, um, but yeah, they're not scarred. But, you know, just so you know, uh, and, and yeah, that was just a, a disclaimer. So please join me in prayer. Let's ask uh, God to be the one who is uh teaching us today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, we thank you for who you are to us. We thank you that you are the faithful husband of your people. You are loving to us. You are faithful. You are sacrificial. You care for us, Lord, and I pray that today you would um, you would speak to us and purify us with your word, that you would, um, by your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and convict us and bring us hope. I pray that this message would be um, glorifying to you, God. I pray that you would open our hearts that you transform us, Lord. I also pray for the kids that are uh, hearing a, a lesson from your word that you would also transform your, their hearts. I pray for the Spanish group as well, that they're hearing from your word, Lord, that you would glorify yourself and use your word by your spirit to transform lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I said, Exodus 20 Verse 14 is one sentence, one commandment. The seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. And this is the word of God. Um, so the, the, the way that I want to present this message and this passage to us is I want to talk about three things that the law and that the seventh commandment in particular, uh, three things that they do. And these three things are, number one, it teaches us. It, teach, it teaches us something. It convicts us of something. And then it gives us hope. Okay, so teaching, conviction, and hope. These are the, these, th- this is my outline. These are the three points that we're going to see today uh, as we talk about the seventh commandment. So when we talk about teaching, uh, many people, when, when they think of the law of the Ten Commandments and really the whole law of God, uh, oftentimes it has been referred as a schoolmaster or as a teacher. And this is because the law, one of the purposes of the law, one of the things that the law does is that the law teaches us about God. 
It teaches us about God's created order. It teaches us about uh, uh, just how life and relationships are meant to function. And so uh, one of the things that the seventh commandment teaches us, not necessarily directly, but implicitly, is God's created design for marriage, right? The reason why we have the seventh commandment is because God instituted marriage and because God thinks that marriage is important. And the purpose, one of the purposes of the seventh commandment is to safeguard and to, and to uh, set boundaries for the relationship of marriage. And so the seventh commandment teaches us that God has, as the creator, he has a creative design. And this creative design is uh, that he made us as physical creatures, male and female, and that we were created to exist in relationship with one another. And one of these human relationships that is probably the deepest human relationship that there is, is marriage, right? And, and the reason why I mentioned that we were created uh, physical beings, male and female, is because this is one of the main things that are affecting our culture today, right? Our culture is basically telling us that there is a separation between our physical being and our spiritual self, right? And therefore, you could be created as something physically, but if in your spirit or if in your mind you feel that you are something else, then you can totally disregard your physical creation and just, you know, choose whatever you want to be, right? That's, that's what the world is, is saying today. And that's why I believe that we as Christians um, that's why I believe that it is important that we as Christians emphasize, really, really emphasize the physicality of God's creation, right? I think that uh, as Christians, sometimes we, we are at risk of overly emphasizing the spiritual at the expense of the physical. But we need to remember God created us as physical beings and he created us as male and female. And so this relationship of marriage and and the seventh commandment sets boundaries for this relationship of marriage. This relationship of marriage is to be covenantal, complementary, and fruitful. Three things, covenantal, complementary, and fruitful. By covenantal, what I mean is that um, it is, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a commitment. It is a purposefully covenant that two people make to one another, right? It is... Um, it is therefore to be monogamous, right? If we are to be committed to one person, to one, uh, to one spouse, then it is to be monogamous, right? The allegiance, the faithfulness, the covenant that we're making, we're making it with one, uh, with one spouse. It is to be complementary in that it can only be between a man and a woman, right? The way that we are created, again, as, as physical beings, the, the only way that marriage works is with, a, with one man and one woman. And then it is to be fruitful in that one of the goals and the outcomes of marriage is to bring forth new life, right? God created marriage, amongst other things, to preserve life in this world and to continue to bring forth more life. And so uh, I know that there are marriages that are not capable of having children, and that doesn't mean that, you know, those marriages are evil or bad or whatever, right? There are, you know, reasons uh, why marriages cannot have children. 
Um, but what I'm saying is that marriage is intended, that the general and normal design of marriage is that marriage should be fruitful. I also know that there are times when families, uh, when couples decide to plan, right, how many children they want to have and when they want to have them. And, and I believe that that's totally fine. I believe that God has given us the, the ability to have a limited amount of control over those things. And I say limited because I've heard of many people who, you know, have been careful because they, you know, maybe they're not ready uh, to have another child or they're not ready to have children yet. And then they get pregnant anyway, right? So I think that we have, even if we, if we decide to plan when and how many children we're gonna, we want to have, I think we need to do it with an open hand, right? Because God can open the wound whenever he wants. Uh, but anyway, so the, the, the seventh commandment protects the boundaries of marriage, right? The commandment that you shall not commit adultery basically protects and ensures that marriage is a covenantal relationship between a man and a woman, right? And this is one of the reasons why the seventh commandment is important for us to understand as believers. We need to understand that God created marriage and gave it a design. Another thing that the seventh commandment teaches us, it teaches us about God's character. It teaches us who God is. The boundaries and the, prohib- and the prohibitions of the, of the law and of the seventh commandment are not just arbitrary rules that God made up to annoy us or to make our lives boring or, or anything of the sort. Right? These, uh, uh, these prohibitions, these rules, one of the things that they do is they show us the character of God. And so if God established that marriage is a covenantal relationship, it means that God is a covenant-keeping God, right? If God expects, expects us to be faithful within marriage, we know that he is faithful to his people, right? We know that he is loving to his people, that he is sacrificial. In fact, the Old Testament Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, God is often referred as the husband of his people, Israel, right? And then that's taken up in the New Testament as well. And Christ is referred to as the husband of the church, right? So God is, God himself is keeping the seventh commandment in that he is faithful to his bride. He is loving. He is sacrificial. He provides for his wife. He sanctifies his wife. He is even jealous for her, right? I feel like a lot of the times the word uh, jealousy is, is considered a negative thing. But I think, I think that when you love someone, when you have a covenant relationship with your spouse, it is right for you to be jealous of her or him, right? Because you love, the, you love your spouse. And that's why in the Bible, often the term adultery is not just limited to a physical act, but oftentimes it it is just a way of referring to unfaithfulness to God, right? Anytime that we are unfaithful to God, anytime that we disobey God, anytime that we trust something or someone else other than God, then that's, that's adultery, basically, because we are being unfaithful to our 
husband, the Lord. All right, so that's what it teaches us. That's what the seventh commandment teaches us. Now let's talk about what it convicts us of. So how many of you had a teacher, and I'm guessing this was probably those of you that are uh, a few years older than me, but how many of you had a teacher that used corporal um, discipline? Okay, Dave was eager to raise his hand. Right, I, I'm, I, I'm 33, so I didn't have any, any teachers that, that would, you know, discipline children by, you know, I don't know what, they hit the hand or something, I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, the reason why I'm saying this is because, um, as I mentioned, the law is often uh, described as a schoolmaster, as a teacher. And one of the things that the law does is that it disciplines, right? And sometimes it's even uh, shown as this corporal discipline or this bodily discipline. In fact, um, in John Bunyan's uh, wonderful analogy of the Christian life, The Pilgrim's Progress, if you haven't read that book, I recommend it. Um, there is a character named Faithful, and Faithful, this, the, the whole story is an analogy of the Christian life. So Faithful is climbing up a hill called the Hill of Difficulty, and first he encounters Adam the first, right, who represents the flesh, the old man. But then he's halfway up the hill, and Moses, a character named Moses, who obviously represents the law, he catches up to him, and it says that Moses beats, beats him up and leaves him for dead. Right, And so I know that this could be shocking to us, right? But the thing is, the law oftentimes does beat us up. And what, and what do I mean by that? Well, the law shows us our sin, right? It, it, I think the point was that faithful was getting too comfortable in climbing up the hill of difficulty in his own strength. And then Moses came and beat him up and showed him his sin, showed him his failure to obey God's law. And this is what the seventh commandment does. The seventh commandment, commandment shows us that we have sinned against God. The seventh commandment shows us that we are in need of forgiveness. The seventh commandment shows us that we are unrighteous. Now, some of you may say, well, I've never broken the seventh commandment. I've never committed adultery. My mom was telling me of a, uh, when she was teaching a, a Sunday school class a few, uh, several years ago, uh, she was teaching a bunch of kids and she was teaching them the Ten Commandments. And, and I think she asked them, like, have you ever broken one of these commandments? And I think most of the kids were like, no, no, I've never had. But then there was a kid that said, yeah, I think I've broken all of them except for committing adultery and murdering someone. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a, very, uh, that's a very honest child, right? Someone who is ready to own it. Uh, the thing with the seventh commandment, though, is that, like I said, some of you may say, I've never committed adultery. Um, well, I want to point out a few things about this commandment and its implications for us. Remember in John chapter 8, uh, when uh, some people bring a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And, and they're testing Jesus, right? The, 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 the thing that they were hoping Jesus would do was to throw the first stone, to stone her to death. And so Jesus' response, and, and I'm sure you know it in, in a uh, 
the own, the, your own way that you memorized it, but in the ESV it says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And I think the point of, one of the points that this passage is making is that all of us, or I should say none of us are without sin, right? And then to make it, to bring it even uh, uh, closer to home, I think there are two different aspects of the seventh commandment, right? I think the seventh, the seventh commandment is prohibiting one thing in particular, right? It's, it is prohibiting the act of adultery. But the thing about this is that Throughout the Old Testament, as, as the law is expounded in the Old Testament, and then in Jesus' teaching, and then in the teaching of the apostles in the New Testament, this is expounded to include all forms of sexual immorality. And if you think about it, this makes sense, right? Because if God created marriage, right? And if God created sex as something that would happen within marriage, then any other form of sex that is outside of the covenant relationship of marriage is a form of adultery, is a form of sin. It is a form of sexual immorality. For example, in 1 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 11, Paul is talking about the law, and he is, he's actually you know, mentioning some of the, some of the commands uh, in the law, in the Ten Commandments, and this is what he says. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. He says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. And then he's going to start listing some of these sins. For those who strike their fathers and mothers, right? This is a violation of the command to honor your father and your mother. For murderers, this is a violation of the command to not commit, to not murder. And then he says, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality. And so here he is, some, he is alluding to the seventh commandment and, and expounding on it. Then he says, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So basically, Paul is taking all forms of sexual immorality and he is putting them with this commandment, right? And then Jesus expounds on it as well. On the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 27, this is what Jesus teaches. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So he's quoting directly from Exodus 20, right? He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that, you, than that your whole body go into hell. So Jesus is really, really getting at the matter of the heart in this seventh commandment. 
right? Ultimately, the seventh commandment was given because everyone had the same issue in their heart. It was an issue of sin. It was an issue of lust. It was an issue of coveting. It was an issue of immorality. And so, let me say something that, I don't know, it might be shocking. It was shocking to me as I was thinking of it, but I think it's true. Maybe with the exception of some of the little ones, I don't think there's anyone in this room that hasn't broken the seventh commandment. And I think, I think that's a big deal. Right? I think all of us, not, or I should say none of us should be like those Pharisees that bring this woman caught in adultery, read, you know, uh, uh, pushing Jesus to throw the first stone. I think rather all of us need to heed Jesus' words when he says, the one who is free of sin, let him cast the first stone. I think we need to heed Jesus' words when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. The breaking of the seventh commandment and really of any command that God has given makes us deserving of eternal death. The breaking of God's law makes us deserving of God's punishment. And so one of the things that this command should do for all of us is it should beat us down. It's, it's, it's appropriate for this command to beat us down. It's appropriate for us to recognize our own sinfulness. It is appropriate for us men to recognize that sometimes we have looked at women with lustful intent. It is appropriate for, for you ladies to recognize that maybe sometimes you've looked, you've looked at other men or thought of other men or fantasized with a world with other men or even if it's a sin that you've committed in the past or sins that you've committed in the past. I think it is appropriate for all of us to recognize that we all have broken the seventh commandment, and we are deserving of punishment. Now, yes, this seventh commandment leaves us for dead on the side of the road, but here's where the gospel comes, right? Here's where the balm of the gospel comes. Yes, the seventh commandment cuts us and wound us and, and all of that, but the gospel heals us, brings hope, right? And, and how does it bring hope? Well, the gospel tells us that Jesus is the faithful, covenant-keeping, loving husband of his bride. The gospel tells us that Jesus, when we were unfaithful to him, when we sinned against him, Jesus didn't pick up the first stone and throw it at us. But rather, Jesus gave his own life to take the punishment that we deserved. Right? That's, that is the, the healing good news of the gospel. That even though all of us have broken God's law and are deserving of death and punishment and the full extent of God's wrath, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has taken that upon himself on behalf of his bride. And so if you know, if you know that you have broken the seventh commandment, I encourage you, and, and really any of the commands of the law, I encourage you to
to come to Christ and ask for his forgiveness. I encourage you to come to him and and, uh, recognize your own sin, repent from your sin, and ask for for his forgiveness. But again, this, this gospel is good news because it means that he forgives us, right? He is a loving husband that forgives his unfaithful wife. Jesus offers forgiveness to you who have broken the seventh commandment. He offers forgiveness to you who have broken any of the other commands. And it is only because of Jesus and his grace that we can say with David, right? We were reading Psalm 51. And so in Psalm 51, verse 7, we can say with him, we can ask and pray to God and say, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean, right? We can say this prayer with hope that God will will actually cleanse us. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Isn't that incredible? That God can actually blot out all of our sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. When we have been beaten down by the law, this joy of our salvation leaves us. We are in, we are, we are sad. We are, we are distressed. But because of God's forgiveness, he can restore the joy of his salvation unto us. The gospel is also good news because, number one, because God forgives us, right? Which is what we just talked about. But number two, because it empowers us to obey him, right? I think that one of the problems that, uh, maybe our Christian culture has accepted is that we are the the helpless victims of sin, right? And I think especially when it comes to sexual sin, I think that people who are are, uh, struggling with maybe sexual addiction, pornography addiction, or something like that, they have begun to think that they are helpless victims of this addiction. They are helpless victims of their sin and there is nothing that they can do to help themselves or to, or to get out of it. And yes, to a certain degree, yeah, when we think of sin, of course, we think of it as something that is enslaving us and of course we need God's help. But the thing that we need to remember, those of us who are believers, those of us who have the Holy Spirit in us, We need to remember that Christ gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. We need to remember that God through Christ gives you all the tools that you need to forsake your sin. He gives you his example, right? Jesus gives us his example as he lived in this world without sin, as he went through every struggle, as he experienced every temptation and he finished the race successfully, he empowers us by his example. He also empowers us by his Holy Spirit. If you think that there is nothing you can do to get out of your sin, to a certain degree, you are right. Because in and of ourselves, we 
are powerless against our sin, but the thing is that we are not alone. The thing is that we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have God's power within us, and therefore, it is possible for you to overcome your sin. And then we also have God's Word. And the Holy Spirit applies God's Word to our hearts, and therefore, we are not fighting this struggle alone or without any tools, but we have the sword of the Spirit. We have what we need to fight this battle against sin. So yes, we have broken the seventh commandment. And yes, maybe some of you are struggling, some of us are struggling with still uh, immorality. But we are not helpless or alone in this. The gospel is good news to us in that Jesus is there for us, helping us overcome this sin. And finally, uh, as part of the hope that brings from the seventh commandment through the gospel is that all of us who are in Christ are promised an eternal covenant, covenantal relationship with God, right? I think that if we look at, the, at, at Jesus' teaching on marriage, I think it's very clear that we understand that our marriages, our earthly marriages are not going to last for eternity, right? Marriage, earthly marriage is meant to last for life. And that's important. Unfortunately, that's something that, that uh, again, our, the, the church has also accepted from the culture that marriage is not that big of a deal. But that's not my point. My point is that we know that our marriages will end at some point, right? We know that when we are in God's presence in the new creation, we're not going to be married to our spouses, but we will have something greater. We will have a covenantal relationship with God that is eternal, that is perfect, that is uh, life-giving, that is fulfilling, that, it, that gives us everything that we were created for. And we can have a taste of that even now, not just in our earthly marriages, but we can have a relationship with God now, but we have the hope of having that relationship for eternity. We have the hope of having that relationship with the one perfect, uh, loving husband. And I think that's why, you know, when Jesus is asked to summarize the, the, the law, he says that it is summarized in, 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 in one command, right? It is, uh, you shall love the Lord your God um, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. With all, with all your strength. I think I'm getting two passages mixed up there. But the point is this, that we were created to be in a loving relationship with God. And God alone is the only one that can provide that relationship for us. And in the meantime, of course, marriage is beautiful. Marriage is, is a gift that God has given us. And it is something to be preserved by the boundaries of the seventh commandment. And in Christ, in the gospel, we have the necessary tools to fight against immorality. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for your law. We thank you that you teach us who you are through your law. You teach us your created order and design for this world. 
We thank you even for the, for the beating down that we receive from the law because it points us to you. Because it makes us aware of our need for forgiveness, for salvation. God, I pray that you, I pray that you forgive us, Lord, because we've sinned against you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that him as the perfect husband, he loved us sacrificially and he gave his life up for us. He took our punishment upon himself. I pray that we would abandon our sin that we would live in holiness and that when we fall, we would come back to you in repentance, knowing that you forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.